welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello and happy Friday. This is Jessica. Thanks for tuning in to episode 205 of the podcast. I have a great informative episode for you today. I hope you enjoyed Emily Nelson's episode on Tuesday. Isn't her positivity just contagious? I can't really think of another word. She makes you like desire to work out. I don't know if I've ever really felt that burning desire, but somehow talking to her and being around her, it makes you want to work out. So there's no really better friend than that. Thank you for sharing the show. We had such a great response in January to the Extraordinary Moms podcast, and it's all because of you guys. So if you're new around here, welcome. I hope you'll tune in and dig into the archives because there's some extraordinary women to be found in there. I have a great episode for you today. It's with Ayelet Marinovich, who is a speech and language pathologist, and she focuses on toddlers and infants and how interacting with them intentionally through play, through music, and intentional activities centered around building language. This podcast is not only for parents who feel like their children may have developmental delays, it's truly for any intentional parent who wants to contribute more intentionally to their child's speech development and socialization development. She's a wealth of information, she's an expert, and she's an extraordinary mom. So I'm really, really excited to share with you my interview today with Ayelet Marinovich. All right, I want to welcome to the show Ayelet Marinovich. Hi, Ayelet. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much for reaching out and letting me know about the good work that you're doing. I'm so excited to chat more about it. (laughs) Me too. So fun. So for people that may not know you, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Sure. So I am a mom of a, my gosh, he's not an infant anymore. He just turned one and a almost four-year-old, so a toddler and a preschooler. And um, I am professionally, in my background is I am a pediatric speech language pathologist. But since I had kids, I have, I maintain a small practice and I do a bit of teaching at a local university, but I also run a parent education website and set of resources called Strength in Words. Um, And that really was born out of when I became a mom, I decided to, I I really craved sort of a a place um, and community that I could find, you know, high quality evidence-based resources that would give me more, um, you know, ideas and information about where my little one was developmentally Mm -hmm. and how I could really integrate just super simple activities and fun, you know, developmentally stimulating things that I could do with my baby, uh, into my life and into, you know, everyday routines and caregiving routines and play. Uh, and I, I started leading these, um, these groups out of my home and I invited my friends to come and do sort of a play group slash music class. And that became something bigger and grew in my community locally. And then, um, my husband and I were actually living in London at the time 
and then we were planning on moving. So I started thinking, well, how could I take this and, and reach a larger audience? Because this was clearly, you know, information and, and, um, a community that people really valued, right? This was not even in my own culture. And I was in, in a place like London, you find people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was, I was thinking about that, so I started a podcast, and that's how the Strength in Words podcast was born. And, of course, as anything that you're passionate about <laughs> grows, you yeah. start thinking, oh, I could make a, you know, a blog, and I could reach people this way. So I have all kinds of resources on my website, which is strengthinwords.com, and, uh, and a community for, um, for parents of caregivers and caregivers of infants and toddlers of all developmental levels, because we all... You know, we all want to stimulate and help our children develop and just support our kids and connect with ourselves as parents. And and that's what it's all about. So right, that's I, what I do. <laughs> I love it. And, and it's not to say that if your child does not have, you know, diagnosed delays or quote unquote special needs, all children truly do have their own set of unique needs. And so that intentional oh, yeah. parenting and that um, intention you put behind every interaction and the resources and everything – all parents can benefit from this knowledge regardless of where they are in terms of their speech or in terms of social, you know, all of that. I think increasing our knowledge and our intention behind that is just huge as parents. Agreed. Totally agree. And it's funny because I think uh, as a therapist and a professional who, you know, has worked with many families in that, you know, from that angle, um, when I started, you know, just hanging out as a mom with other mom friends or parent friends, I, I realized that I did have this sort of unique set of tools in my, in my Mm. tool belt. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely not to say that I know everything about how, you know, how to be a mom. And I, I, I kind of cringe at the term like parenting expert because there is no such thing as a parenting <laughs> expert. We, none of us is an expert on parenting. We we might hope to become an expert on our own child someday, right? Right. But um but but when I find that, you know, when we have this sort of understanding about the process of learning and that sort of developmental sequence and just the ways that our infants and toddlers learn and develop and what that's all based around and and how they do that and how we can help them do that mm. then we we empower ourselves with that knowledge and and we can become more confident and sure. um, like i said you know connected with ourselves as parent as a parent and then of course, also connected with our children. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. It is. It is. And I could not agree more. And I was an elementary school teacher prior to having children. And my perspective was so much different. You know, when I would assign homework, I was not ever picturing the parents sitting with the child, you know, forcing them after a day of school, you know, their exhausted, tired, cranky, rebellious child actually getting them to do the homework. I wasn't thinking about the implications of certain things or, you know – even just packing a lunch for, you know, making sure that they had lunch packed yeah. the next day. And now as a parent, if I were to go back to teaching now, which I do hope to do someday, gosh, my perspective would be different. Did you find that oh, yeah. your practice in implementing your expertise in this speech and language area changed from the time where you were just implementing what you knew were best practices and the knowledge that you had on other people's kids versus when you actually had your own children and you're like, 
oh, this is kind of oh, different. Yeah. Like, what it's changed nice for you? Okay. Totally. Yeah. I think for me, primarily, and I've spoken with other friends of mine who are speech language pathologists or other professionals yeah. who are also moms, and we all, I think, say the same thing, which is, you know, number one, it's night and day. You mm-hmm. know, you walk into that a therapy session after you come back, maybe from maternity leave, and you're like, oh gosh. Right. <laughs> wow. I mean, I had a, that feeling of, I mean, because I've worked with parents and caregivers of infants and toddlers for years, you know, I thought I was pretty good at the parent education piece. Sure. And now I'm like, oh no. <laughs> you know, right. just, just number one, the expectation, like you said, of what, what that actually looks like, um, what you're recommending or what you're, you know, giving as quote unquote homework, um, because especially with, with infants and toddlers, of course, my work is primarily working with the parents, right? Because mm-hmm. if I'm going in to a home and, you know, coming in as a therapist for an hour every week, obviously the follow through is going to be the parent. And as sure. many things as I can teach and help a parent see about what I'm and why and how that affects the child or the routine or the home environment, that that is where the power comes from, right? Mm-hmm. That is how I can make a big difference is in that parent education piece. Yeah. And so, um, number one, I never would give now, <laughs> especially, <laughs> I would never give a parent, you know, the, a recommendation that I myself would would not be able to follow through with. Yeah, that's a yeah, <laughs> that's much a great more, thing. You know, forgiving, I suppose, about mm-hmm. you know how you know the question is how have you been able to implement this over the the last week? Not how many times have you been able to? Sure, right? Because, sure. because you, you feel want like a to failure. make a parent mm-hmm. feel successful. We have plenty to feel vulnerable and frustrated about. Yes, so you want, we want to be successful. Yes, absolutely. And so there's a difference between educating with the facts and educating with empathy, right? And for some parents, a label on their child can derail them. And either they become defensive and push it away and don't ultimately seek out those services because they don't want to go down that path. Or it can be like an ah moment where they're like, finally, there's an answer and there's hope and there's help. You know, and I'm sure you've seen both sides of the mm-hmm. coin. So that empathy piece is as critical for the parents and the children. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I take also with, with my work at strength and words with, you know, the parent education side is I, I try, I mean, I just share information. I, and I think especially, I mean, you're a podcaster, you know, that in the beginning, especially when you're sort of talking into this void, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know who I'm reaching. I don't know who's <laughs> listening to this, but then you so so I sort of just started by just imagining talking to my best friend who just had a baby, for mm. instance, and and that's the the kind of approach I try to take is you know I'm I'm much more interested in the the spaces that connect us that mm. we can all you know feel um, and not those things that divide us because there's plenty of divisive topics when it yeah. comes to parenting as we all know there but, certainly is um, yes. But what what interests me is the the pieces that we can all sort of learn from and and build mm-hmm. build our children up, build ourselves up, and, mm-hmm. and that's 
you know, that's that information piece. Like if it, it, here's, here's this aspect of early development, let me try and break it down so that we can all understand. Here's a very specific example about how you can implement it at home in, you you know, using music, for instance, Uh which is one of my favorite ways to, to implement and to, to give experiences to young children. Um, and, and, you know, here it is for you if you want to take it. And if you don't like how you, you know, that idea, then try a different way. Um, mm-hmm. So it's this sort of forgiving and, and empathizing, like, like you said, um, of uh, sharing of information. Sure. Of, you know, here, do this. Right. This is the, the one size fits all thing that's going to work for your kid. Right. Totally. Totally. And if you don't <laughs> do it every single day with consistency, with perfection, then it's not going to work. Like that just yeah. makes you feel so defeated before you even start. Yeah, there mm-hmm. was several years ago we were in the process of having my oldest son go through testing for ADHD. And mm-hmm. I was just, you know, in tears at parent-teacher conferences thinking he's not going to be successful in life or sitting still in a chair because he just can't <sighs> shut off his brain long enough yeah. to, like, take in information. And I was just so concerned, you know, at the age of three for my son. And yeah. and sure enough, he did not test on that spectrum when they – with that um, diagnostic test – However, because he exhibited so many of the symptoms of it, I treated him as if he did have it with the tools to help him improve. So Mm -hmm. the label did not matter to me one way or the other. I was not, you know, looking for medication necessarily. I was looking for tools and resources and strategies to help my very hyperactive, and he he still is very hyperactive, (laughs) but... With, even without that label, how can I help him to slow his brain? How can I help him to sit for a reasonable length of time in a chair and complete a task? How can I yeah. get him to work on fine motor? You know, all of these things, taking out red food dye from his diet as if he had a reaction to that. And sure enough, mm-hmm. it did improve behavior. You know, so even Amazing. when we yeah. see certain behaviors in our kids, they don't need to have a label in order to be helped just through intentional parenting and strategies and utilizing even resources like like yours, even if there's yeah. not a true speech delay. And it's interesting we're talking right now because just last week I have a two and a half year old and mm. I can understand, you know, when they're on the cusp of knowing what they want to express, but their sound, <laughs> you know, repertoire is still so limited. So he's saying way yeah. more things with way less enunciation. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what he's saying. At that stage where yes. a bus could be a bus or yes. a balloon or so a dad or whatever. Totally, totally. And so I was thinking, well, I think my oldest at this age was much more clearly. I like pulled up some videos. Oh, wow. Well, maybe yeah. he's behind. And then suddenly I started getting word. I never even occurred to me. And now, in just over the course of a couple of weeks, it's catching up. And you see that progress so fast. So oh, what gosh, we're talking yeah. about today is not to, like, alarm any parents that there's anything wrong with their child. A lot of it is just developmentally, you know. Yeah. Each kid does it kind of in their own time. But what are some of the things that you have seen early on in toddlerhood that can kind of clue parents in that their child may need a little extra support? Maybe they do need um, some speech therapy. Or maybe they just need some more intentional parenting. What are you seeing these days? Sure. So, I mean, from a as a speech language pathologist, what who works with infants and toddlers primarily, you know, 
Number one, I mean, I think that there is a misnomer, Jessica, that that we start to look at language from toddlerhood because actually, right, I mean, communication starts from birth. It does. <laughs> um, and what we look at, you know, oftentimes as a speech-language pathologist, we don't see a child who is delayed until toddlerhood because there are little things you know, there. Are, that's when we can look at specific, you know, numbers of words that a child has versus, you know, versus doesn't have. Um, but it's not just number of words. What we're really looking at is all of the different areas of communication, speech, and language. Mm. And what I mean by that is that communication is the sort of umbrella term, right? It's it is speech, which is the motoric aspect of getting a sound or a word out. It is language, which, of course, in and of itself is encompassed by things like, you know, vocabulary and grammar and then the social piece of knowing all kinds of different things, right? How loud we should be speaking, how quickly we should be speaking, how closely to another person we should be speaking, which, yes. of course, toddlers all struggle with and should be struggling with. I need my um, space, yes. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm imagining my own son grabbing my head and pulling it into his and talking to me from two right, you know, centimeters right. away, which which is how children get their parents' attention. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but um, but we're also looking at things like nonverbal communication, things like gestures, eye contact, um, and and those types of things. So in the first year. In infancy, we want to look at things like eye contact, starting to vocalize things like cooing between the ages of things like three to three to six months, and then starting to babble around six months, and then moving in through these sort of these different. And I hate to use the word milestones because it's it's so much more than you know. Is he hitting this one thing mm-hmm. is, that he should be doing? Because it is a sequence, um, and it is a, it is, it's a symphony, right? It's, sure. We're moving from one place to another place, and they don't always happen linearly. And I think that's something that that often parents, as grown-ups, we get stuck on this piece of like, oh, okay, well, A plus B equals C. Well, no, not really. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, it, in general, yes, but it's not. It doesn't always look just like that. Mm-hmm. And and we we often, like you were saying, things happen quickly and then slowly, right? So we see these ebbs and flows of development, and oftentimes we are not even aware of, or just can't see, or aren't paying attention because we're trying to, you know, get the work done mm. of life. When our children are practicing little things that, like say you know motor development our our child might be moving his his or her leg in a certain way and and then all of the sudden starts crawling right or (laughs) whatever it is so back to communication we're looking at eye contact we're looking at smiling we're looking at what starts in the later half of the first year which are joint attentional skills and joint attention is the term that is basically refers to that ability to like your you and your child are both looking or attending to the same activity whether it's book reading or bubbles or you know a car on the road and then 
that you're both acknowledging somehow that you're both attending to the same thing. Okay. And the reason why that's important is because it's that social reference, right? Mm. Like, oh, we're both we're both doing this thing. It's an acknowledgement. Okay. And look, look, mom, look how cool that big blue car is, right? Okay. And of course, the child who's nine months old is not going to be saying that, right? But they might be looking pointing. at the car, pointing at uh-huh. the car, looking back at you, pointing at the car, vocalizing. Or cuh, cuh, or whatever it is. Right. Um, so things like that are things that we want to see in that first year. Okay. And then as we look into the the second year of life between one and two, we're looking at the emergence of words, right? Of lots of different kinds of words and of a growing ability to to listen and follow instructions. And of course, this is also at the same time as our child's own sort of prerogative starts to form. So mm-hmm. it's <laughs> yes. also about motivating them to want to follow instructions. And that's the um, real kicker. If you could bottle that yeah. up, I think that would be your million dollar idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. How do we motivate our child, yes. our toddler to follow instructions? Right. Uh-oh. Our instructions. Yeah. According to what yeah. we want, not what they want. And, and really, the, the way to do that is through play. Mm-hmm. Um, and and through following our child's lead and then trying to shape those kinds of behaviors, right? Sure. So, so we so we want to see the ability to put two words together around the age of two, follow a two-step direction by the age of two. And then at three, we want to see a child who's able to put three words or more together mm-hmm. and then follow three-plus instructions by the age of three. And when I talk about these sort of two and three step instructions. I'm th- I'm talking about things like, can you go to the door and get your shoes, bring them back to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually kind of a three step instruction, right? Go to the door, pick up your shoes, and, bring and then them bring them back. To okay, me. <laughs> right. So we're, we're thinking about how many, how how much is the child understanding? How much is that child able to? Um, hold those instructions in their head and then act upon them um, and understand that language and then follow the direction. Right. And really so. at that age, the the praise that comes after that is so such a critical point because if we just want them to follow instructions but they don't know that that has value to us and it should have value to them as well, like – they're not going to be motivated by that. So the first thing is, can they follow directions? Are they able to complete that task? And then how can you get them to want to do it? Can you do it in a fun way? Can I time you? Can you, you know, bring me the blue shoes, whatever it is. And then hugging them and saying, you are such a good listener. You did it. You know, we kind of miss that step because we're busy. The the reward or praise Mm -hmm. is in the form of the thing that we get to do with that. Sure. Now we go to the park. Now we can, now we can leave. Now we can go to school because you got your backpack, whatever it is. Right. And those are things that also help to drive this under, this larger understanding of sequencing and Mm. inferencing, right? We sequence from one step to another. When we get our bag and our backpack and our shoes, then we get to go outside. Sure. When, right. Or we cannot go outside without having done these steps. Yes. So, and I'm seeing that all the time with my son who wants marshmallows, right? It's like first we eat lunch and then we eat marshmallows. No, marshmallows. And you can't, and I don't back down. First lunch, then marshmallows. I may say it 15 times and eventually he eats the lunch and then he gets the marshmallows and it 
it's a wonderful sequence of events. Everybody wins. And yeah, it's huge. But I think the struggle for parents is not necessarily in how to help three-year-olds with that, because that kind of comes more naturally, teaching them the sequence, but the underestimation of our interaction with our babies. Because as they're just kind of looking and staring blankly kind of back at us and giving us very little, the tendency is not to engage as much. The tendency is to not read to them as much because we think they can't understand, but they can. And I mean, you can attest that their vocabulary will be through the roof compared to babies that are not read to. Tell me about that. Oh yeah. How it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, if you are or any of your listeners are familiar with, there's a book and a movement called the 30 million word gap, mm. 30 million words. It's basically the 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 fact that uh, there is a discrepancy between um, children who are spoken to and not spoken to. And there's this this gap of literally 30 million words by the age of, I think, three huh. of between children um, who are receiving all this input and not. Mm. Um, and it has to do sometimes with socioeconomic background. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, just the, that being aware, this awareness and education about how much it impacts our children. Mm-hmm. And of course, when our children are exposed to more vocabulary, um, they are, they are, they have more of that input and then we're going to see more output. And then that's also going to, of course, correlate later on with, with academic preparedness and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think to your point, it's, it's, uh, it is difficult sometimes for us to, to look at and just talk to these. Sometimes we feel like they're just little blank slates. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more we can integrate things like narrating our day, narrating what we're doing, right? Literally, you're making the bed. Oh, I'm picking up the sheet. Whoosh, there it goes, up and down. Ooh, feel how soft these pillows are. Mm, I wish I could just lay down and take a nap. But you're not going to nap now, are you? Right? All mm. of these things, that's how we input language right? It has to do with just talking about what what we're doing or what they're doing, right? Oh, you're mouthing that block. That block is going to go in your mouth. Mm. It's pretty hard, isn't it? Hard block. It's made of wood, right? Mm. These are the kinds of things that make a big difference. Um, And then also, I think we get stuck on this idea that when when people say, oh, sing to your baby, read to your baby, that that has to look a certain way, mm. right? Um, because I think I hear a lot from parents, oh, I, I'm not really comfortable with my singing voice, or I always forget the end of a song, right? right? I might remember the first part, but then I forget the end, and then I, I don't. So I, I just stop, or I just don't feel comfortable. Well, guess what? Number one, <laughs> Your baby's not a terribly discerning uh, audience member. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. And then number two, there is no need to say, to to sing the words that are in the song that were Mm. written that way, right? Mm. And even better, an even better way to use music um, and musical experiences with your child is to make up the words and sing about what's happening in front of you, right? Um, So, 
so release yourself of the feeling that you have to follow a certain formula, number one. And then, of course, with, with say, literacy, early literacy and literary experiences, I mean, obviously your infant or toddler is not necessarily always going to sit and watch you read a book yes, to them, yes. right? Mm-hmm. The attention span. Um, and number two, they, they just might not be in the mood. I'm not always in the mood to sit and read a book, right? I might have the best intentions and then and then my mind goes elsewhere or my body needs to move, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other skills involved when you are um, holding a book or touching a book or just have print in the environment, right? Yes. Your child literally mouthing a book, putting it in his mouth, that's an early literacy experience, It right? is. That's kind of how it's supposed to look. Right. <laughs> Which is why those books with textures or or crinkly paper mm. or whatever are so wonderful because it's a, it's an even more exciting way to to experience um, a print Absolutely. or books. Um, so there's lots of different ways that that can look. uh, I I love that. Yeah. And there's no right way. And, and if your baby is the only one. And there's no wrong way. (laughs) Yes, that's true. That's true. And if your baby is the only one in the room with you, seeing you kind of make a fool of yourself, making the bed and narrating it like a Disney princess, like who cares? (laughs) They're the most forgiving audience member. (laughs) I thought you did a great job. That was wonderful. I loved it. You know, and, and how fun. And it kind of makes your day a little bit more fun too. Like I was smiling as you were doing that. Like how enjoyable to be in a room that's filled with sound and kind sounds and happy voices versus a silent room just because there, it's just a baby laying there. But how many of right. us have been there where it's just silent with the baby because we're too tired and we're too whatever? How can we incorporate a little more fun? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, to that end – please don't feel like you always have to be filling the void because Mm. sometimes our children do just need that quiet time Mm. actually. Mm -hmm. And if we want to have music on in the background, great. And if we want to have it be quiet too, that's fine because actually sometimes not narrating and not having anyone talk and just watching and observing is the best thing to do too. So please don't feel that you have to constantly be talking, right? Especially if you're sort of a quiet natured person, mm-hmm. you know, starting to get in the habit of maybe doing this a few times a day is a great way to start or do it. Okay. But but if you and your child are just sitting there observing each other or observing, you know, what each other is doing, yeah. that's a wonderful way. And you don't want to get in the way of of your child's literally problem solving, you know, the way a tiny little toy works like that's interesting and valuable too right that's they are tiny little scientists they are constantly experimenting Mm -hmm. with the word world and that's how they learn about it yeah and I think it is also important to point out before they have language skills mimicking what they're doing physically right and mirroring and showing them what they look like if they're dancing you're dancing like them and 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 giving them that appreciation and in that recognition that, wow, what you're doing is great. I can do that too. Look at us doing it together. Like you said, it's that connection yeah. moment. And and you mimicking them can be a great way to highlight that. That's a really good point, Jessica. And also I think it's really fun because obviously for the first at least six months, you feel like you're the input. Yes. And then mm-hmm. sometimes they they get to this certain point some around maybe nine months or so. 
where if you are imitating their actions, they notice mm. and they think that is hilarious. Yes, they do. <laughs> and that minute, the, their when faces, uh huh. Like, oh, wait, we're both doing this. Bap, 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 right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we can do like this is whole. This is like, mom. You are the most fun person in yes. the world. <laughs> right? Such a great like, strategy for play. <laughs> It is. Yeah. It is. Tell me more about the resources you've created through Strength in Words. What will we find if we go to your website or listen to your podcast? You've just touched on a few examples in each little age group of ways to interact intentionally with your children. Is that what we're going to get on your site? And tell me what's yeah. there. Yeah. So I have, number one, I have the podcast, which you can stream directly from the site. Um, mm-hmm. And lately I've been also recording video, which is really fun. Um, and I have a whole bunch of episodes that are just me approaching something specific about development. Um, and, and also I have a whole host of interviews with other people because I think, you know, obviously I have a lot of information about that communication realm, but, um, but early development, infants and toddlers learn holistically, which means essentially that if we are, you know, addressing something communication wise or playing with communication, we're also inherently playing with motor skills and cognitive skills and social emotional skills. They're all intertwined and they cannot be separated, mm. especially in those first three years of life. So what I try to do with strength in words is sort of approach, um, both all of the developmental domains, right? Cognitive, communicative, motor and sensory, as well as social emotional and give uh, access and resources um, for ways to, you know, integrate things like that into your everyday life. And then I also have, I have um, created a a free sort of weekly email uh, series that's just, specific to your child and Mm. your child's age. And it goes actually from um, prenatal, so when you're expecting still, through the age of um, up to 36 months. So you can, you know, you can go and sign up for, it's called SIW or Strength in Words Weekly. And that's a free email service, or not series, (laughs) that you get a weekly email that's all about, you know, very simple ways to incorporate um, musical experiences, early literacy experiences, sensory experiences, and then maybe the use of visuals or visual supports in your environment. And that's all using stuff that you already have in your house, mm. right? Things like toilet paper rolls, cardboard boxes, scarves, um, you know, clothing items, kitchen items, stuff like that. Because number one, who who has the time or wherewithal to go out and buy a bunch of stuff. And number two, that's what our kids are going to be playing with anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. That's so, so true. And I think sometimes the barrier to entry for getting help and and going down that path is, gosh, it's going to cost me so much money. It's going to cost me so much time. I I can't add that to my plate. But just by incorporating in your own home, looking around, seeing like what are the resources I already have, you're pointing them in the right direction to start where they are. And right. then if they feel are, like there's something I else, like that's to say, fine. like, you're already so much closer than you think you are to mm. doing really everything you can to support your infant or toddler. You're, I love that. You're already doing so much of it. It's already right there. 
it's just a matter of activating it, right? right. Or and realizing what you have. And especially, right, for like those of us who work outside of the home part-time or full-time, and even those who, for whom, you know, work is the home, mm. we spend a lot of time getting you know, life done. And then we feel like, oh gosh, am I, have I done what I need to do to stimulate or, you know, get my kid, you know, to really get their development working. Right. 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 And and the answer is probably, yeah, (laughs) because you can do these things in within caregiving routines, which is right. Like feeding and diaper changing and bathing and things like that within daily routines, like say, you know, going and checking the mail or bringing the garbage cans in or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then within play routines, like, you know, sitting there in nursery rhymes or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is sitting, sitting in a play area in your home, Mm -hmm. which can be as as simple as a blanket on the floor. Right. Um, (laughs) and then the, the other thing that I've created is, um, it's called the community lab. And to me, lab is sort of twofold. The first, the first thing it is, is it's, to me, it's an acronym that stands for like learning activity buffet, which is this whole host of, you know, a place that you can come. It's a content hub that you can come and find um, simple activities and musical activities and fun things that you can do with your child. But it's also um, a place that you can access a ton of resources and information and professionals and people as well as community of support. Mm. Um, and it's a place that we can, it's a lab in that we can experiment together as parents. So I have built a community and sort of a social, uh, resource that is, um, that is a membership community as well. Um, so that is another resource that I have and you can find out more on the strength and words website about that too, or community.strengthandwords.com. Awesome. And this will all be linked at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. These resources are just incredible for moms. Thanks. What has, what has doing all this work, working with all these children, these families, creating these tools, what has it taught you about motherhood for yourself? (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) well, number one, I mean, you know, like I said, as a professional, I, I have worked with families with infants and toddlers as a pediatrics language, speech language pathologist Mm -hmm. for the greater part of the last decade, but becoming a mother, especially becoming a mom on the other side of the world really made me crave access to, to these sort of just in time resources, right. Mm -hmm. To, allow me to connect with my baby since, and since I couldn't find anything else readily available, I, I sort of made my own. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I honestly find the more I speak with other people and the more I get to engage in a community of support, you know, parenthood is, it is that great equalizer, right? Regardless of who you are, where you come from, what language or languages you speak, you know, you and I and the dad down the street are all ultimately responsible for raising humans. Mm-hmm. And when we understand more about how they develop and learn, we do feel more empowered yeah. to to parent. Yeah. <laughs> As a verb. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and we and we understand more when we understand those things, we realize just how little stuff we actually need to make that connection with our babies and that it is really all about the interaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and starting to understand that simple fact and then realizing a bit more about what quote unquote play looks like using very simple materials is really what gives us the peace of mind that we all crave as parents, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we all want. I think that's, that's what we all crave is, is peace of mind, knowing that we are doing what we can and that we are raising good humans. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we want. And that's, that's what I aim to provide at Strength and Words. And that's the kind of community that I'm, that I'm growing. Amazing. Oh, I love the work you're doing so much. And so like I said in the very beginning, this is not just for people who have children with speech delays. It's not just, it's for anybody who wants to be intentional about their interactions with babies, toddlers, and yours is such a great place to start your podcast, your website. So tell everybody again, where can they find you online? Sure. I'm at strengthinwords.com. That is where you can find me. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about the Community Lab, you can find that specifically at community.strengthinwords.com. Amazing. Um, But yeah. Oh, I like you. Thanks so much. And you know, it is. It's all about finding the joy in the mayhem because it's going to be crazy, right? Parenting infants and toddlers, as you and I both know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and most of the people listening here, because they are all primarily moms, I think. Right. Um, It's crazy. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you that I can take that away. I I can't. Right. (laughs) But I can, what I aim to do is to, to help people find that find the joy in the connection amazing I always ask my guests just one final question and it's this <laughs> what would you tell your pre-motherhood self <laughs> it's a tough one because I know I think there's so much I could say to myself pre-motherhood but I think a lot of it sounds fairly patronizing until you actually become a parent and go right. through it yourself right totally <laughs> but honestly I think the thing I find myself telling friends and family who are expecting their first child is something like, you know, if someone tells you that there is just one way to do it when it comes to really anything parenting related, um, run the other way. No, mm. <laughs> um, <you know>? yeah. <laughs> just rest assured that there are plenty of other ways that are that are just as effective and might work better for your family, right? Essentially, right. there's no right way to do it. And there's no such thing as a perfect parent and you're gonna mess up And you're going to have days when you feel good at it and other days when you feel like a miserable failure. And so collecting a community of support is so, is really the best advice I could give, I think, Mm. because um, really it's about finding resources you trust and other people who can serve to help you through that experience. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could not agree more. That mom tribe is so, so vital. Yeah. And it's, and it's important to readjust through every season too. You know, your toddlerhood friends may serve you very well for a season and then don't be afraid to open yourself up to new friendships and, and new areas of growth for you as you yeah. transition into different seasons of life. I yeah. like, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom with us on the show today. I learned so much and I am excited <laughs> to get my little guy up from his nap so we can can really interact intentionally. I'm excited to spend more time oh, on your website good. as well. You're just so awesome. You're extraordinary. You really are. Thank you, Jessica. How are you? Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ayelet. She is so informative, so knowledgeable, and I love when we can tap into the passion and strengths and wisdom of others to educate our own motherhood. 
I mean, to accumulate that much knowledge, it would take so, so much effort. So I'm so glad that I can pull from the people around me, from, you know, strangers and now friends like Ayelet, from my inner circle. I mean, in pulling from their wisdom, it just adds so much to our motherhood. So that's why it is just so beautiful to have a motherhood tribe surrounding us to enhance our motherhood. So everything that we talked about, links on how to find Ayelette and all of her resources, strength in words, that's over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Links to everything we talked about today, this show, and past shows is over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have another great episode with an Extraordinary Mom next Tuesday. My guest will be Emily Lex of Jones Design Company. She is the founder of that company, a creative company that started out with stationery and now does so, so much more. She is a business owner, but she's also an extraordinary mom who is now entering the teenage phase. And so we talk about parenting and we talk about intentions behind our parenting and the deliberate things that we do when our kids are young to set them up for success when they're older. It is such a great conversation and I cannot wait to share it with you. So I hope you'll tune in then for that episode. I want to thank you so much for all of your support in the month of January. I encourage you to share the show, to leave reviews, and you really, really showed up. We reached 114,000 downloads just in the month of January, which doubles our numbers from December, uh, more than doubles our our numbers. So whatever you're doing, it's working. And it is not for me to puff up my own ego. It is truly because there are moms that need to hear these stories. They're stories that may not be heard any other way. And so it is my pleasure to bring you these women every week. And so I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing. And let's just keep the growth. Do you think we can double again? 200 and what is that? 230,000 downloads? Let's let's do that. That's a great goal. I tease, but you know, when you put something out there, you just never know what's going to come back. Um, I also think getting back to more intentional, heartfelt episodes um, has really been the right move. And I feel just so proud of every single guest that I am bringing you in the show this season. I mean, all of the guests, past guests have been awesome, but I just want you to know that I put so much intention behind the guests that I bring on the show. I want them to really have their story serve you and serve a wide audience. So um, I hope that you've enjoyed the guests that I've been selecting. I'm hearing from you that you are. So I will just keep that up. We have so many, oh my gosh, so many incredible moms on the horizon. And I can't wait to share them with you. So be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep sharing the show with a friend. It is making such a difference. I will be announcing the giveaway like next week um, to celebrate that that success in January. Um, so keep your eyes out for that thank you giveaway that I'll be doing next week. So tune in next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye. <laughs>